Hello and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast, a podcast about making work more engaging, more fulfilling, and ultimately more human by taking the ego out of leadership. I am here with Ken Grady, a Fortune 500 CIO and business leader, as well as gentleman farmer and snappy dresser. And I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my always friend and often collaborator and co-conspirator. Seth is an executive and communications coach who's worked with a number of different organizations and whose superpower is helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard. So welcome, Ken. I'm really glad that we can make the time to do this. And the the impetus of this this. Uh, podcast, what what we were really looking for when we decided to get together and actually start recording these conversations was, you know, this, this, this question of like, how do we make, how do we make work more human? What are the things that we can do? And, and, and you were, you talk about this a lot, you know, even from a technology standpoint, right? You're in charge of IT, but what do you think about most of the time? Yeah, you know, and, and it's so funny because, I mean, in our world these days, in the last couple of years, with everything that's gone on, everything has changed, and yet nothing has changed. Yeah. You know, the work is still about people. The people we work with, the people we work mm-hmm. for, the, the customers that we connect with. And it's funny because, you know, I have colleagues from Human Resources, for example, HR, that come in and they work with me and my team, and they say, wow, you know, as a technology team, you talk a lot about people. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that's mm-hmm. because our job is to to implement change, you know, both in the products we deliver as well as uh, the work that we do, how we connect with each other. And certainly nothing has highlighted that like COVID in the past couple of years. But and if you're not talking about people and if you're not rooting people at the heart of the, what we do, it's a lot harder to deliver that change in a positive way, in a way that, that really moves the needle and, and drives the business or, or the work forward. Right. No, I think, that's, I think that's right. I think that it's easy to get caught up in the processes, the systems, the tools, and think of, think of people like chess pieces. Right, just move them around the board. You know, what's the most effective way? This is a whole efficiency movement that we saw in the 20th century that kind of fell into the 21st century of like, how do we make this more efficient? Turns out, you know, what we're finding is if you treat people more like human beings, if you make space for them to actually, I don't know, uh, be, yeah, <laughs> you know, be in in work, they are actually more productive. And the reason I think that I, that I've been thinking, well, one of the reasons I've been thinking about this so much in the last you know year plus has been in this world that we're in where so many of us, not all of us, but so many of us have shifted to a virtual working from home. You know, we're now two dimensional on a screen and we've learned a lot through that. And, I, and I've really been challenging myself to think about what have we learned and what are we going to carry forward from that? Because now we're in meetings and we see our kids in the backgrounds, our dogs running through the screen, our whatever. We see into each other's worlds in a new way. We're not the persona that we bring, that we you used to put on when you went into the office, you know, and I had rituals around kind of how I'd dress and how I'd pack up and go to the office. And, you know, maybe we talk, we chit chat with each other about our kids' hockey games over the, you know, coffee line or something, but you really didn't get the insight into 
each other's worlds in the way that you do we have in the past couple of years and and I've found that really inspirational mm -hmm. and actually I honestly have sort of clung to it or even invited it in the last two years where we've had in so many ways less human interaction and so we found ways to create human connection mm -hmm. in this you know post-pandemic hopefully world that we're entering and i want to i want to see how we continue to build on that as we go forward yeah well you've done you've done a lot of work on this ken like your your regular updates on video you're trying to i mean i'm just the, the image i have in my mind is the one that you did in your your barn where you were slopping out <laughs> it's like pigs yeah we occasionally talk about pigs and dogs and other kind of stuff um, yeah, I think that, um, well, and, and I've, I've talked about this on social media, et cetera, but, you know, early days of, of COVID, you know, when it was really the white knuckled times when we were, um, all of us were unsure, uh, as to what was happening, you know, it was, it was challenging. It was frustrating. I felt, you know, as a leader in technology, you know, my team was responsible for keeping much of the work functioning and people connected. And so it was stressful and I was stressed. And I knew that if I was, other people on my team were too. And the most powerful thing I think I, I, I did, I didn't really think about it consciously, but I just, I talked about it out loud mm. with folks to allow them to create a space. What it did was created a space so that others could talk about the stress they were under as well. And again, I, I look at that and say, you know, wouldn't it be nice if it didn't take a global pandemic <laughs> for us to create space right. to talk about what we're going through, uh, what we need from each other and how we can help one another. Right, right. So I think that um, this is a good segue into why are we calling this It's Not Personal? I know, I know. it's funny because we're, we're talking about like creating a, creating a workspace, uh, a culture that's more human, but we say it's not personal. Mm -hmm. And I actually think those two things are really powerful concepts that coexist because I think what we we tend to do is we put ourselves at the center of every story. You know, right. we are we are the protagonist in our own story. And I think what we're what we you and I talk about we're challenging ourselves to do is to flip that and ask ourselves, um, how is the other person, the person I'm interacting with, how are they receiving this? Because they're at the center of their story, right? So that's the it's not personal part is how are they receiving it? Because if I can think about how it's, I'm being received, how the work that I need to get done is going to impact the other person, how I can really create empathy in that moment, it's not about me. It's about the person I'm trying to deliver that change to or bring along in the story. That's the flip that is so powerful. Yeah, it's so true, Ken. Like the 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 reason when I was thinking about this podcast, the reason why it's like we make things personal in a way to sort of cut us off from the humanity of the moment. Like we take things personally. We make it sort of about us. We make it sort of about some sort of ego thing. And then the result is we can't see the other person. We don't understand that there's really just a bunch of people here trying to do the best that they can most of the time. And by when you take out the personal, when you recognize it's not personal, it really does give you a chance to connect and, and be with these other human beings in a much more genuine, much more compassionate, caring, uh, collaborative way. Yeah, and ultimately effective way, yeah, right, which exactly. is, you know, in the workplace, that's what we're aiming for. I mean, I love the story, you've shared this before, but, you know, the perspective of, you know, when you come up to the 
the stoplight and somebody cuts you off or doesn't go or, you know, they don't have the blinker on or whatever and you think in that moment or they blow past you, blowing their horn at you and thinking, boy, you're a real asshole. Yeah. And the reality is maybe you're distracted. Maybe your kid was screaming in the backseat. Maybe you were thinking about the hard conversation you were going to have to have later. You weren't doing something to impact that other person, but they took it personally and they reacted accordingly. Yeah. No, this is the, this is the, there's so many ways to sort of break this down, but this is the impact, intent versus impact, which yeah. always happens, right? Like, like we, we have a, we have a huge impact. I mean, as a leader, right? As a leader of an organization, you have a profound impact on the people working for you and the people working for you in IT, especially, right? They have a profound impact on the rest of the organization, the other people in the organization, depending upon what they're doing or how they're doing it. The problem is, is that we only, we can all see our own intentions, right? We all understand, like, I'm not trying to be a bad guy. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I'm just trying to get this thing done. But like, we assume that that also grants us the superpower to see other people's intentions, mm. right? So I know why that person cut me off. I know why you're being terse in your emails today. I know why you're resisting this. I understand like you I think I see through to your motivations. And that's where a lot of the problems tend to well, come from. Well, and this gets down to, I guess, you know, it's about the person, not the personality. Right. Right. Because, and our personality can be, can shift over time. I mean, one, we bring, you know, that kind of work persona into our job and we want to, you know, portray a certain, we talk a lot about developing presence, you know, executive presence or management presence or whatever in a voice. And we think that there's a script to do that. And there, I mean, there often are, there's skills that you need, you know, in terms of bringing that together. But underneath that is that person. And that person comes with all of their experiences. It comes with all of their moods. It comes with all of their, you know, influences that are driving their motivations. Mm -hmm. And understanding those motivations, understanding that background and experience can help really. And again, if you can set aside your own ego, which is not easy for any of us then it gives you the opportunity to create a genuine connection which will allow you to understand that person's drivers, motivations, triggers in a way that really sets you up for success. Yeah, well let's let's actually break this down because yeah. there's this gets confusing. I know this gets confusing to a lot of people because the, the, you know, like what's the difference between that and over accommodation mm -hmm. or trying to manipulate a situation by trying to understand where someone's coming from? Like we don't want that, right? You, right. You've probably in the time that you've worked in the many years you've been in in the the roles of leadership in IT, you've probably met some difficult people. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> guessing. One or two, yeah. I'm just <laughs> right. So so what do you do? When you, when you encounter uh, someone who's resistant to change or who, who has made you the enemy or who doesn't want to listen to what you have to say or doesn't want to partner with you in some way, what do you do? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, there have been times where, you know, really I felt frustrated or stymied or like, you know, I'm trying, like, I'm trying, I'm here to help you. I mean, my job is to enable your success and really felt blocked, mm. really felt, you know, unheard undervalued, you know, and to the point where I'll just share one example. I mean, I had, I had one, one colleague I used to refer to as my nemesis, right? right? I mean, I had deeply personalized this 
You know, so I really had to break out of that mindset and said, okay, so what am I really trying to do here? Right? Well, ultimately we're all working for the same company. We all have the same goals. We all have the same stock price. We all have the, whatever the measures are. And I had to reach out and I had to go more than 50%. This was not, I hear people talk about, well, I need you to meet me halfway. No, I had to go more than halfway. And in this case, I actually said, hey, he, he likes bourbon, I like bourbon. I said, great, we share that, let's start with that. And so let's go out for a drink and talk. And I said, this isn't working for me. Like I had to create a moment where I was vulnerable. Wait, actually, can you say that again? What did I you said, say? I said, this isn't working for me. And and that's a brilliant, that's actually, if, if anybody is listening, wants to know what's a strategy here, what's a tactic and a strategy that you can use, vulnerability, the strategy, the tactic is admitting when something isn't working for you. Yeah, I, I was really honest in the moment. I said, I feel like I'm failing to do, to deliver what you need. I mm. feel like I'm failing, my team's failing, we're not meeting your expectation. And that, and that I'm gonna interrupt again, that piece, right? So, so it's one thing, for those of you who are listening, it's one thing to say, this isn't working for me, and to follow it up with, you're being an asshole. Right? <laughs> that's actually not gonna work. Right? That, that probably would not have that, been met. That's not vulnerable, <laughs> that's not gonna get a bridge to like, you know, that's a bridge to nowhere, basically. But if you say, this isn't working for me, and you point out that like, you, you, you and your team are having a hard time helping, right? You have a hard time, like basically, like, we're not working together well. Well, let me tell you how he responded yeah, to yeah. that. He he responded by saying, I feel under all, an immense amount of pressure. Mm. Mm. So, you know, in response to me saying, I feel like I'm failing in this moment, he responded with, well, let me tell you how I feel about my pressure I'm under and what it's why it's causing me to behave the way I do. And that was wow. the can we, moment. Can we just say that that's huge? It was the that's moment. That's huge. It, it was a transformative moment where suddenly it clicked for me and I said, okay, so again, what he, the way he was bringing his energy, his, his drive, his pressure, his beating his hand on the table, you know, in meetings, um, had nothing to do with me or my team. Yeah. It wasn't personal. Yeah. And it flipped the way that I approached it. And I said, okay, so everything I do now with, with, you know, in approaching um, that situation was, okay, let me put myself in his shoes, understand the pressure he's under, and position the work that we want to do together as ways to address or mitigate or, you know, create relief or, you know, drive his agenda forward. And, what, and just to emphasize something is that what I, what I really like about the way you went about this is that you didn't say, what can I do differently to be more of a servant to your goals? Like you didn't, you didn't, throw yourself on the floor and say, you know, let me be the best servant I can be. You're trying to help him, right? Yeah. But you are doing it in this way that's, uh, again, vulnerable, which invited him to be vulnerable because you weren't putting him in a corner. You were actually inviting him out of the corner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, and I think that it, it you know, it was a, a, a strategy for, creating that connection and, as you said, inviting him to help me understand what was important to him. Mm. And so really taking my own ego out of the mix where, you know, I had these goals, I had things I wanted to do, but I was like, it's not about me in this moment. It's about, I'm trying to make you successful. Tell me how, you know, tell me what that looks like for you. There's a great 
line, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, who's the Buddhist monk who passed away this year, he, um, he wrote a book on communication where he talks about, the, the book is amazing, um, but there's <laughs> really, it comes down to this one thing. He says, the, the secret to all, to dealing with all conflict, this, this personality thing, is to lead with this vulnerability. And what he said was that the formula is, I'm suffering. Please help. It's very simple, right? The problem is we want to skip the part where we say I'm suffering. And we want to get to the part where we tell you exactly how you need to help me. But he doesn't say, you know, be really specific and, and prescriptive about how the help is. It's just like, I want to work together. It's, it's making me difficult. It's making it difficult for my job, for me to work with you, to help you help me. Yeah. And I think this is something that I don't know, you know, being trained in corporate America and having worked in, in industry for 25, 30 years now, I, I think that it's, we're almost trained away from this. Oh my God. hundred percent. We're almost tra we're trained away from this moment where, cause you, you know, when you do your goal setting, your annual reviews, you're kind of standing on all the successes and you want to talk about that. And you know, I, what I find is that as I work with folks coming up, you know, and developing, you know, sitting down and focusing on the development plan and really helping people understand it's okay. In fact, it's powerful. It's empowering to say, I'm suffering. I'm not good at this. I, I need help with this. Um, because those are the areas where we don't know how to help otherwise. Right. And, and those things, by the way, can include things. And this is where, again, it gets, it gets uncomfortable oh, is to say yeah. some of it's not just the work stuff. It's yeah. the stuff going on in our lives and I need space right now to focus on this or that. And I think again, you know, over the last couple of years with COVID, I think we have all had a refresher in the humanity of work mm. and what people need to feel safe and secure and growth, you know, from their management, from their leaders, from one another and how we can offer that to each other. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, I think that's right. I was just thinking about, um, getting back to that personality piece and like, why does, what, you know, we, we get caught up in, well, I'm just this way. Or, you know, we think that like, it helps people to say, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the, like the classic, like, you know, well, I'm a, I'm a Libra. So that means blah, blah, blah. Or I'm a, you know, I'm that's... a labor now. That's a little close. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so like we get caught up in like, whether it's horoscopes or you know, I'm an ISTJ or, mm -hmm. or, or maybe we even go like a little further, we go deeper, like, um, you know, uh, uh, insights or something where there's like color codes and schemes. And, and we think that these things say everything we need to say. It's like, if all you need to know is I grew up in the South, all you need to know is I grew up in the lot in a, in a log cabin in the woods and everybody's going to know you and understand you and make allowances for that. And while that's helpful, right, it does this really weird thing was we think it explains something about us, but then we turn around and we think it explains something about other people. And this is where stereotype, where all this stuff kind of falls into place, where we say that person's just an asshole or that person's just not like they are an IT, they're, they can't explain well, they can't communicate well, or they, this person's in HR, they can't be helpful in this, whatever the thing is, whatever the, the personality trait, 
And what you're so good at, and what I think we're trying to talk about right now with this is, if you can look past the personality, the persona, that the person is showing off at work, this identity that they're carrying around with you, and you get curious about the person. Oh, you said the word. That's it. Curious about the person. You have this chance to discover something about where they're coming from and maybe close the gap to understanding what's going on. Yeah, you you said the word, which is is get curious. You know, this is the thing is I love I love the other ones, which people, you know, like you said, people use their own story to tell other people's stories. Yes. You know, oh, that person's too sensitive, right? Because I'm not sensitive enough. Or, you know, it's that person is, as you said, they're an engineer and they just want to talk, you know, data. They don't want to talk story or whatever it is. You know, you, you project that on. And without ever asking why. Right. Without ever getting curious as to, well, how come I have that perception? How come they were sensitive in that moment? What, what did I do that caused that? And really digging in a little bit more and saying, you know, again, behind that personality, behind that moment, there's a person. And I need them. I assume these are all situations we're talking about where, honestly, you need others to be successful yourself. And so you've got to, or it advantages you to create those connections and create that trust so that they can tell you what it really will, what really is helpful in the moment, what their priorities are and how you can advance that together. Yeah. No, I think that that's, that's it, right? Like we treat other people as enemies sometimes of a war that is, doesn't exist. Yes. You know, so, so we use this mentality to say like, I have to defeat that person when it's like, no, no, you're on the same team, right? Like you're on the same team. It's hard because you may have competing priorities. You may not want to do it the same way. You may not even agree on whether this thing ought to be done, but you're still on the same team and finding some way to like actually work with that. And find some way to find like the common ground, right? Between you, where you can agree at least on what you're trying to do and that you're both human beings trying to do that thing. You know, and I think this goes whether you're talking about a, a team, you're managing maybe, a, a, you know, a, a project, whether you're talking about, you know, what happens in the C-suite, whether you're talking about what happens with your customer, right? I think in mm-hmm. all these situations... Or hell, what happens at your house, right? <laughs> I think right. in all these situations, we're, we're talking about circumstances where there really is a common purpose. It could be, you know, revenue growth. It could be team development. It could be a deliverable. It could be, you know, uh, a relationship that you're trying to advance with your customer. All of these circumstances really start with a foundation of, I like how you articulated it. It's not, we pretend like it's a war and we even use military acronyms or, totally. or metaphors in the workplace. Right. And, and sometimes that's useful, but often what I find it does is it creates this environment where you're not actually thinking about the people involved in the moment and what you need from each other and how you're going to align. Because to your point, sometimes you do have different opinions on how to achieve that outcome. But if you're not sitting down and talking about it, breaking down or, or removing the noise and the friction from it, by getting the personalities out of the way so that you can actually create, you know, a, a trust and a genuine conversation about how to get there, then you're creating friction. I lo- and I like the use of the word noise there is, is important because personality as a 
um, as like a uh, something that we're sort of focusing on when we're dealing with other people, when we're dealing with their personas and their personality, it's very noisy, right? It's not clear what's actually, you can't hear what someone's saying when you think you know why they're saying it and who they are, like what they're about. If you get curious, if you settle down, if you actually listen to what's being said and you think about what am I actually hearing, there's this opportunity to start to open up and be like, oh, we're actually saying the same thing. Yeah. We're just saying it differently. Right. Right. We're not actually fighting at all. Yeah. Right. But, I, but that's really hard to do if you're so caught up in the noisiness of it. Yeah. And, and this is not to say that we, you know, personality is not a bad thing. Personality is we're all unique. We're all bringing on our thing. I think what we're talking about, the differentiation we're making is that, that, yeah, I don't know. I want to keep wanting to call it that armor that you put on, that persona right. that you put on. In the, theater, the mask. in the theater, we talk about it as a mask. It's, yeah. it's something that you carry with you, a costume that you yeah. carry with you to tell a story about who and you it, are. If you can drop your own mask, what you're doing is inviting others to drop that mask and create a genuine connection and partnership in a way. And again, as I said, I think that, you know, I'm just so mindful of it in these days because over the last two years, we've seen how much of that we've had to drop in order to be there for one another right. and what positive effects that has had on the workplace, on culture, uh, and on, you know, our relationships with one another, not to say that there haven't been challenges, but I want to see us really keep building on that as we move forward. Yeah. And then, all right. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit that Ken is, is notoriously sunny side and optimistic. So he's <laughs> I very, may have heard that. Feedback. Very, but, um, what's hard about remote work? What's hard about trying to manage people remotely? I, you know, I think there's a couple of things and some of them are the obvious things that we've seen. Um, one is, you know, how do we create, and I, I manage a team of hundreds of people scattered around the world. And without the ability to break bread with one another, to see one another in the coffee line, to create moments of genuine human interaction outside of a project meeting or whatever, you know, how do you know that each other is doing all right? Mm. And so it's really forced us, me, to be more deliberate because you don't have accidental moments of interaction. Right. And so remote work requires a deliberate intention to create connection and common purpose hmm. and to check in with one another and make sure that we're understood. And I think we'll talk about this in another episode, but, you know, really making sure not only what I say and send out, but is it being received well, received in the way I intended it. So I've had to become much more deliberate about that, much more strategic. Now, the reality is I always managed a team of, a hundred, of hundreds of people scattered around the world. And I uh, that meant that I often didn't get a chance to bump into people in the right. coffee line. So what COVID did was it forced me to confront the fact that I wasn't very good at managing a distributed organization, you know, through a deliberate uh, practice and develop new skills around that. And so that's, that was probably the other hard thing was taking that look in the mirror and saying what's working and what's not, and how do we measure effectiveness in some new ways? Yeah, I like that. And I like the idea of being deliberate and intentional about it is the part that I think COVID made us all, forced us all to do in this conversation about like, do we come back to the office? Do we stay remote? And the, and it's, it's, it's such a false dichotomy, right? It's like this weird thing where like, as though one were one like absolutely one is better than the other and the point is it's not like 
as you said, like you already had a distributed group. You had people all over the planet, right? That you had to talk to and manage. But the problem is, is that the default was people in the office were the people you saw all the time. It was easier to just do the default. Yeah. And now there's this thing where it's like, all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Whether we go back to the office or not, we're going to have to start thinking about how, how is it? How do we bring people in? How do we get them connected? Well, I'll share, share one other anecdote around this too is, is um, a few years ago, I got feedback and I don't know if you knew this or not, but you'll laugh. I got feedback that people perceived me as very formal <laughs> and that made me chuckle. And if, for those that know me, <laughs> that's, I play banjos, I raise pigs. I mean, I'm not formal, but the, we can make banjo jokes later, but the, <laughs> The, the reality was that was a perception created both by the title, because I have a C in my title, and because I tended my uniform at, in the office tended to be a sports coat, you know, because I just, you know, I, I talked about the fact I used to work for a large European pharmaceutical, and so that was the uniform, and I had a lot of them, and I'm from Georgia, and now I live in Maine, and I'm always cold, so I like having a coat on, but what it did, and I'm, and I'm busy walking through the halls or whatever from meeting to meeting, and what it did was create a perception of formality. Mm. And what remote work, back to what you talked about what was hard, well, here's what the easy thing or the good thing, one of the good things. It stripped all that away. Mm. And people saw me in my setting, in my house. And I made a rule early on because my kids, I have teenagers and they were schooled, you know, at homeschool for the first few months and whatever, as many of us were. And I made a rule early on, on that my kids could always come in my office. I don't care who I was on the phone with or on the call with. And so suddenly my team was seeing my personal life. They were seeing more of me right. uh -huh. and they responded so well. Yeah. And I got to see more of them. And this created, stripped away this and it created a tighter connection. So suddenly they could see, back to our theme, they could see the person that I am, mm -hmm. not just the personality of a CIO. Uh, uh, it reminds me that story reminds me of something that happened six or seven years ago. So this is, of course, pre-COVID. Um, I was working with, uh, I was doing a lot of work with pharmaceutical companies, helping them prepare for FDA hearings. And I was called in to do a particular remote. So normally I would fly out to the company and I would have the conversation. But this guy, he was a chief medical officer and he was just looking to strategize on his messaging and I was on the call my boss was on the call um, with someone else and they were like my boss and this other person were in a um, like a conference room in their headquarters and I was in my living room and the CMO was in his like basement he had like a whole setup for remote work it was really interesting and I'm on this call and I'd never done this before so I was like kind of like anxious, like I had like a tie on or something. Like I was sort of in my eight-year-old uh, was really curious about what I was doing. And he came over and he tried to like cl climb into my lap and I'm pushing him away. I mean, just imagine the optic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pushing him away, like trying to hold him at bay. And the guy, the guy, the, the leader, the CMO, he just, it was really interesting. He just stopped and he said, Seth, don't do that. Don't do that. It's, it's okay. Like he can be in the picture. 
It's okay. I could feel my boss was like, you know, he was <laughs> super anxious. It was like, what the heck? Like, this doesn't look very professional. But this guy was just like, we're all human beings. Like, it's okay. And, and I remember thinking two things about that one, that one moment. One is, he's right. Like, what am I trying to protect against, right? Like, right. What, what am right. I guarding against? Yeah. No, I'm not a human being. I'm not. But the other thing that was interesting was what power you have as a leader. It was his call. He was paying. It was on his dime, mm. right? And the power he had to say it's okay, to make it okay for all of us, right? Yeah. In that moment, he really did create a moment where you could bring your whole self. Exactly. You could be comfortable. And you had the domain mastery to do the engagement. There's no question of that. You had the, you know, they were paying you, as you said. So they knew they'd engaged you for a scope of work. But suddenly he said, I don't just want that. I want you here. And what a sense of trust and safety and belonging that that moment creates and the power that that leader can, can have in that moment really is absolutely incredible and impactful. So if you're, you know, as a leader, you try to do this, I know you're for yourself. I think for people who are out there trying to run organizations or teams, you know, ask yourself this question, like, you know, am I inviting people? This isn't about forcing people to drop their persona. Right. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why people bring their masks mm -hmm. and their, their body armor, you know, there's all kinds of things. But are you inviting them to be a human being in that moment? Are you looking for opportunities for, the, for them to be a, a whole person rather than just some sort of personality in, in some sort of, you know, and we get stuck by the way, right? We get stuck in these personalities. Mm. Like, you know, I, I can imagine sort of like being the class clown, right? You get, you get the class clown in, in, in class. And then at some point you're like, I actually want to go to college. <laughs> I actually <laughs> want to do well. And it's hard, right? It's hard to, try. sometimes you have to go someplace else, right? But if you're a leader in an organization and you can invite people to be their true selves, you make space, you make it okay. It's amazing what can happen. Yeah, and what I find is that that really is the opening for people to develop in ways that they don't even know they can. They, they really bring more than 100%, they bring 110%, they get curious about others, they support one another different, differently. We talk about a culture of gratitude um, in my organization and you know what that means and the stickiness it creates because suddenly people understand. They move from inclusion to belonging by really being invited to bring their whole mm. self to work. Mm. So good. So good. Ken, I really appreciate taking the time to talk about this. Um, I am excited about this. I think that, you know, over the next few weeks, we'll talk about, we have a number of topics. I know that we, we, we plan on uh, trying to approach and, and talking about our experiences. Um, these conversations you and I have always had, and we've always said, you know what, we should hit record on them. Yeah. And so that's what we're doing. Yeah. And we want to, we want to make some space too. I mean, talk, talk about it from a leadership standpoint, we want to make some space I know there are a lot of you out there who are thinking these things, who are who are wondering about these things. And one of the things that you know we we share sometimes between the two of us, like the frustration about. Sometimes it feels like that conversation is not out there, or it's out there and it's super intellectual. Sometimes it feels almost subversive to talk about being human at work. Right. And right. and I I think these conversations are important. I think they're what's going to make the difference in organizations that succeed and prosper um, in a post-COVID world or whatever the next next normal is. 
And I think that, you know, as leaders or growing leaders, aspiring leaders, we have the opportunity to really create that, that culture that we want to be a part of. And, you know, ironically, I think when you create that culture and it's hard work, like don't, yeah. it's not, it's not like you just give everybody a hug and everyone starts trusting <laughs> each other. Like once you start opening up this space, you also are opening up the space for the messiness, right? It, it will get messy. I don't, don't think it's not going to get messy at first. But once you do it, you actually become more effective. You know, the, the thing about efficiency is I tell people, like, what's the thing that you spend most of your time doing, right? Most of your time, you're trying to communicate to other people what it is you're trying to do and what it is that you want them to do. And whether it's email, phone calls, meetings, there's just this constant stream of communication that you're trying to do to try to align and get everybody together so you can do the thing together. The problem is, is we're so crappy at it. We're so terrible at communication and we're terrible at even knowing that we're terrible at communication. So we spend so much time doing it. If you can allow for that human, right? The, the, the people to be themselves, they're not guarded, they're not uh, trying to protect or defend. They're more vulnerable. They're more present. And you get better communication. You get more effective, more impactful communication. Well, with other humans, which is what this all exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> which, is, which is what it's all about. Exactly. Well, thank you, Ken, uh, for taking the time. This has been, uh, this is the first episode of our podcast. Uh, it's not personal. And today's episode was dealing with the person, not the personality. And I really appreciate you taking the time, Ken. Thanks, folks. Stay curious. Thank you.